This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. The Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things world wondering stardom, right here on the Pod Mania Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Rob Goodwin, and I'm joined as ever by Matt Turner. Matt Turner, how are you as we inch closer to World Climax? Yeah, we are uh, eight days away as of this recording, so I'm super excited for that. I'm super excited for the Cinderella tournament. All stuff that we'll be covering. And uh, I hope you're not sick of me yet there, brother. This is our third podcast this week as we're keeping ourselves busy, my man. (laughs) I did say at the start of the podcast, your weekly audio source. And I did think, especially if you are a $3 and up patron, you've heard of us a lot this week. But uh, yeah, fingers crossed you aren't bored of us yet. Um, Fingers crossed it's because of your love for stardom that we are... uh, that we're managing to do more and more podcasts. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed you're on board of us. But, yeah, as you mentioned, um, Matt, we've got a lot to talk about. Obviously, since we were last with you, the Stardom Cinderella 2022 tournament has been announced. The field, the biggest in history at 30 competitors, has been announced. The brackets have all been announced. And we're going to go through all of that a little bit in a couple of minutes. What I did just want to say is what me and Matt are going to do is we're not going to worry too much about giving you... We might give, you know, our early picks for winners, but we're not going to go through the brackets and say who's going to win this because we are going to do a dedicated bracketology episode where we go through uh, and basically go through who's going to win which match, who's going to progress into the next round until we get to a winner. And uh, we'll see who's closest. Spoiler, it'll be Matt. Um, But for those who don't know uh, what the Cinderella tournament is, just a very, very, very quick uh, sort of briefing through it. It's a single elimination tournament uh, where wrestlers can win by pinfall, submission, and over-the-top rope elimination. Um, Now, this year, initially, it was a tournament that was over one day, and you would have all the matches in one day, and it was sort of its identity that this would take place in short bursts, and little stories would build over that day. Obviously, in the last two years, this has been spread out over a couple more days, and it is a little bit more like a conventional single elimination tournament now. Um, In terms of time limit, uh, the first round matches have a 10-minute time limit, and then the second round, it will increase to 15 minutes. Um, However, a time limit draw sees both competitors get eliminated from the tournament. Um, If you are 
lucky enough to win the tournament, um, such as names like Mayu Watani, Momo Watanabe, Oriso Shiki, Julia, and of course last year, Saya Kamatani, you receive one, what they call a wish, which has to this date always been used for a world or wonder of stardom championship match. And most recently, it's been for the wonder of stardom championship. Um, in terms of dates, uh, we have the April third show at the Takikawa Stage Garden in Tokyo. That's going to be the first round matches, which obviously we've got announced and we're going to go through in a moment. April 17th is going to be the midpoint matches, so the second round um, matches. And then April 29th um, is going to be the final, presumably the semifinals and final at Ota Ward City Gymnasium. So, Matt, is there anything you want to delve into before we just kick straight into looking through these brackets and these first round matches? Yeah, one quick thing. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it Mayu Iwatani, the only two-time winner of the Cinderella tournament? She is, back-to-back, in fact. Now, you know why I know that. It's because if you go to page <laughs> 26 of Living the Dream, starting 10th anniversary in, re- in review by my good friend Rob Goodwin, you'll see that 2015 Mayu Iwatani, 2016 Mayu Iwatani, and even, I didn't know this, uh, 2017 she made it to the finals. Tony Storm, very Masahiro Chona-like to... Uh, to be appearing, you know, in the uh, the finals quite a bit in the first few years. So there you go. There's the plug, brother. <laughs> thank, you. thank you very much, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> age, age 26, folks, if you're wondering. If you have it in your hand, you should have it. If you don't have it, you might be able to win it. You might be able to win it with the uh, Cinderella tournament. Uh, I believe the polls are up on our Twitter that if you pick the correct uh, finals and the correct winner, you will get the new Stardom Cast t-shirt and uh, Rob's book, either digital or or hard hard copy, and that is all on my expense. That's because I just love everybody, and I really do just love everybody. He is, he is. He, this isn't an act. He is perhaps the most positive person I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. Um, let's kick straight into these matches then. So, as I said, it is the largest field Stardom have ever put out for the Cinderella tournament, uh, with thirty competitors. There are two wrestlers who won't be appearing in that first round because they have buys and that is going to be Suri and Saya Kamatani presumably on the basis that they are the current top two champions in the company so they are going to progress to the second round so these are our first round matchups we have got Himika versus Ruaka um, Hazuki versus Miyu Amasaki Azumi versus Momo Watanabe, which is one that Jeez. I highlighted. Yep, exactly. And That's a Cork and Halloween event. Here it is. First round. Enjoy. Do not be surprised if we see Azumi going through there. Um, Tekla and Julia, another very interesting first round matchup. Um, Koguma versus Fukikin Death. Um, Saida versus Rina. Lady C versus May Sakurai, uh, Yutami Hayashishta versus Tam Nakano. That's another blockbuster first round yeah, match. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, the two people that held the top two belts for the majority of last year. And here you go, folks. First round match. You're welcome. And it's often flies under the radar that these two had an absolutely amazing match on the final night of the five star Grand Prix last year. So obviously, I know we've only got 10 minutes. Um, and the chances are because of that 10-minute time limit, we might not see the match quality that we got 
in the five star, but even so, those two wrestlers are very, very talented. Um, we've also got Mina Shirakawa versus Mirai, uh, Wakasukiyama versus Saki Kashima, Mayu Iwatani versus Momo Kogo. That could be very, very interesting. Um, Yunagi Sayaka versus the returning Hina. So it's nice to see Hina back in the fold. Um, another fantastic first round matchup Natsupoi versus Starlight Kids you know we feel like we've seen it a lot and there's a reason we're not bored of it you know they have tremendous chemistry you know there's no chance of them doing a divisive 30 minute draw in this it's going to be 10 minute and it is going to be balls to the wall and then our final first round matchup is Micah versus Hannon um Obviously, I've highlighted a couple of matches there, Matt. Are there any that I haven't sort of paused at that you're thinking, good grief, that is going to be an absolute stonking match? Yeah, there's obviously three or four right off the get-go that you're just like, wow, uh, that's going to be something. I think Momo Kogo and Mayu is going to be something interesting. At, you know, in the States, we're, uh, we're starting March Madness here, and there's already been a few upsets. And that, obviously, because you can get thrown over the top rope, I'm kind of thinking, I know we're kind of going to fill out our brackets here probably this week and talk about them over the podcast, but that might be one where Momo Kogo gets, is a bracket buster and eliminates Mayu. Or it could be something where Mayu's going up the top row for a moonsault and she just trips and falls and eliminates herself. I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's a possibility, right? I love Mayu. Oh my, I'm a member for this man. Well, uh, other than that, that I think uh, Tekla and Julia, obviously... Um, They've been joining at the hip since Tekla's been in stardom. And now you're, again, I always talk about when you're wrestling your friends, you hit each other harder. We, I, we've seen them, uh, again, you know, they've been attached at the hip and the six person and the eight person Donald Del Mundo style tag matches. And we've been seeing pictures of them on social media training in the gym. So uh, I think that was going to be a real sleeper as well. And again, that's another one that you may see Tekla eliminate Julia. Uh, as well that could be a bracket buster as well yeah it's going to be interesting i'm going to be interested to uh, probably going to fill up my bracket here in, in a day or two and i'm inter- i've already had some of our listeners tell me what the, who they think's going to win and what the finals is going to be and everybody seems to be a little bit different i mean there's a whole bunch of different ways can you go you know azumi starlight kid micah himika i mean no one's ever going to complain if mayu iwatani wins a tournament at all because she's just so damn good uh what about you tommy or t- even tam and they're wrestling each other in the first round what about momo you know, is that how Momo gets her title shot? There's so many. It's not like cookie cutter where it's like the Royal Rumble where it's like, ah, only one or two people are going to win. There's like six or seven really good possibilities here. Absolutely. And again, Matt alluded to it right at the very start of this little segment. We have got a competition on our Patreon for every single member of our patrons, open to anyone on any tier. You can go and tell us who you think is going to win the tournament, who you think is going to be the two finalists, and anyone that gets it right will receive a free Stardom Cast t-shirt and a copy of Living the Dream Stardom book. So please go and fill that out. It is um, on our Patreon page. You can go to the top and just click on competitions. It is there. Um, And and that will close the day before the very first round. Um, and that will be the 2nd of April. Um, before we jump into anything else, Matt, I want to know your early favorite before you fill out your bracket, before we think too much about it and overanalyze it as anyone who is a, a follower of Stardom tends to do. Who's your gut feeling? Who's your pick for the final? Who's your, who are your two picks for the final? 
see, I'm afraid. I mean, I've been usually wrong about these. And I'm afraid if I give this out, people are going to go and vote for it or kind of give an idea. And then I got to spend a lot of money <laughs> on T-shirts <laughs> and books, which is it's fine. Uh, just looking at the bracket, uh, just, you know, right now, again, before I overanalyze it, I'm going to say Starlight Kid over Zumi in the final. I think just because this is a big tournament for them, they have a lot of buzz coming off their last pay-per-view match. And I think they uh, they're just going to basically pull like a Masawa Kawada Okada Tanahashi where one of their matches gets a lot of buzz and then you just run it right back while it's still fresh in everybody's mind I think that's uh I think that's where they're gonna go again I'll probably sit down this weekend and overanalyze the bracket and text you at all hours of the day (laughs) and see what you think but right now just kind of the first glimpse at it but then again at the same time who's not to say that Momo doesn't win this tournament and that'll be her second win because she won in 2018 and then that's how she gets her title shot. And I know the Wrestling Observer has reported that they want to run back Utami and Sherry. So maybe that's how you get Utami back in the picture. She wins this tournament. And then, you know, Sherry has a successful title defenses at World Climax. Uh, is it Utami? And now I'm overanalyzing it already after you told me not to. But uh, all right, Starlight <laughs> Kid over. As, as of right now, as we record this podcast, Starlight Kid over Izumi. Uh, but that's not locked in yet. How about you? <sighs> Just for the sake of being different, I know Starlight Kid is an early favorite of a lot of people. Um, I'd like to see Himika in the final. Um, I think Himika in the final would be would be very very good. Maybe even a Himika win. I think Yunagi Sayaka makes it to at least the semifinals. Um, looking very briefly at the back brackets, if Yunagi is to get to the semifinals or any further than the second round, she has got to go through the winner of Natsupoy and Starlight Kid. And I think the winner of Starlight Kid and Yunagi, or that sort of block of four, I think that is who makes it to the final on that side of the bracket. Um, oh. uh. It's tough. It's tough because you text me on Sunday. You said, hey, the bracket got released. I said, I can get a chance to take a look at it. And then you said, I, I think a lot of people are going to pick the same final. I don't know if you were just ribbing me. And I was like, I don't see it. And I was like, Maybe assuming Starlight Kid, is that where he's going with it? And then we ever talked about it, and I had, like I said, a whole bunch of our listeners send me messages like they think it's Unagi's going to be in the final, it's going to be Himika, it's going to be Micah, it's going to be Momo, it's going to be Izumi. And I was like, well, Momo and Izumi are in the, they're in the opening round, so the only one of them can go so far. So it's, it, I think that's what makes it so exciting is because, it's again, there's six or seven different ways that you can go. And what's not to say that Sayak, uh, Saya loses the white belt at World Climax, and then she runs this, and then she goes right to the red belt. I mean, that that's that's a small possibility, but yet it's still a possibility. Oh, you... Do you know what? I'm just, yeah, I'm, no. I'm, 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 gonna, gonna, <laughs> I'm just going to go, gonna go for segment. it. We're, we're going to have our own podcast. Go ahead. You, you throw it out there. we got to move on, because we'll be on this in two days. <laughs> yeah, we'll do a Bracketology episode where we'll physically go through our brackets with you, but just off the bat, I'm going Starlight Kid over Himika in the final. There you go. Again, that's not locked in. We'll we'll lock oh, it God, in, no. and then we'll <laughs> and then we'll do uh, we'll do a, a bracket between me and Rob, and uh, I don't know the winner gets a, a dollar. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's only Whatever. the highest of high stakes on the Stardom <laughs> Cast. 
Look out here, folks. <laughs> um, just another couple of bits of news then. Before we kick into the two reviews we're going to be looking at today, um, just something that got posted on the uh, We Are Stardom um, English Twitter page, which I thought was really cool. Um, there's a picture of Tekla, and she was invited to the Austrian embassy in Japan, uh, where she was told how proud they were of her as a representative of Austria by the Ambassador Extraordinary and the Plenipotentiary. I thought that was a really cool thing. And she's there with the belts, you know, in the Austrian embassy. I thought that was a really cool touch, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, just another, again, there's no such thing as bad press, and that's good press all around. You know, it's good press to give uh, Tekla, who's only been in the company a handful of months, to give her that praise. And it was, yeah, pretty much all over social media. And it was and it was a good thing, too. It wasn't like, you know, it was anything bad by any means, but it was nice that they gave her that kind of praise and they got the picture uh, with all the big wigs over there at the embassy with the SWA belt. So not only is it good for stardom, it's good for Tekla, and it's good for the uh, for the SWA title as well. So, you know, thumbs up all around. I thought that was, yeah, really, really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, just something I want to uh, I want to make everyone aware of on Stardom World. And I know that Stardom World as a streaming services does have its drawbacks. You know, a lot of the older stuff, like I said um, last podcast, I think, stuff pre-2017, it's, it's a lottery as to whether it's on there. However, with Kyrie's return to the company, it is starting to upload what they're calling a Kyrie collection, um, which is... A lot of the matches that she was in that aren't on Stardom World, they are starting to upload. Now, at the moment, the collection, I think, has only got two matches in it, or it had when I last checked about an hour ago. Um, and the first one is Io Shirai versus Kairi from back in 2015, the tournament finals after Yoshiko had to um, vacate the red belt and Kairi beat Io Shirai in the tournament final. And then there is Kairi versus Mayu Iwatani as well. So I assume they're going to be adding a lot of missing matches from Kairi's back catalogue to that little playlist. So if you want, go and check that out because both of those matches are great. Let- I, I was kind of, I'm sorry, I'm going to no, go for it. I was, uh, I was, I was, I thought it was. It's awesome that they're doing a Kyrie collection, you know. And we have Insane April. What's up, Stardom World? But it kind of, uh-huh. I was kind of scratching my head, and I was like, these matches aren't on there yet. Like, it's cool that they're on there, and they're putting him in a huge spotlight as she's returning next week. But I was kind of like, really, the tournament final and this banger of a match with Maya is not on there yet. Like, I know some of the back catalog from 2017 uh, up until when they start, it's not on there. But I figured if I'm putting matches up from 2017, is there five or six more more important from that year than that than those two? But again, you know, what do I know? I think it's one of those, and it's the same issue that New Japan, that all Japan have a lot of the content isn't owned by the company; it's owned by the television. It you know, it's owned by the television companies. Um, so you know, you look at All Japan TV, which is the All Japan streaming service, a lot of their older stuff isn't available on there. You know, a lot of the Masawa stuff, the Four Pillars stuff, isn't on their streaming service because they don't own the rights to it, um, which is which is mental when you think about it, but it is just a completely different way of doing it. And obviously, Stardom is the same. A lot of their earlier stuff, they don't own the rights to, which again, is crazy, but that's just the way it is. But it's good to see, like you say, that they are starting to upload those um, matches. But like you said, you know, if they've got those matches and they're sitting on them, just upload them to World. What are you doing? Um, Yeah. 
Anyway, let's kick yeah. into these two matches that we're going to go through today because we had. How, how, how about we go over the two cards instead of the two matches? Did I say two matches? Mate, it has been yeah. such a long, <laughs> bloody day. All <laughs> oh, right, let's go over the two cards that we're supposed to be looking at, not the two matches. We're going to start on the 12th of March, 2022. Stardom in Takadono Baba at the Bell Cell Takadono Baba, Tokyo, with an attendance of 337 people. Now, this obviously started with the pre-show tug-of-war lottery between um, Oedotai and Queen's Quest for the best of five series. Now, the way they did this was they had the ropes covered up and members of Oedotai and Queen's Quest on the outside on opposite sides of the ring. The ropes were covered and the ends were hanging over the sides. So a member of your uh, faction would grab an end of the rope and whoever has the other end of your rope on the other side of the ring is your opponent for the tug of war match. And obviously me and Matt sort of uh, had a little bit of a guess, sort of a fantasy book of who we'd like to see against each other. But these were the five confirmed singles matches that we would get in the main event. We had Saya Kamatani versus Ruaka, Azumi versus Rina, Saki Kashima versus Lady C, Starlight Kid versus Mio Amasaki, and Yutami Hayashista versus Momo Watanabe. Um, Matt, I know that you were struggling with the concept of the tug of war before you actually physically saw it. What did you think about it as a way of getting random matchups? Two things. One, I was like, once it went on, I'm like, wow, that is so simple. I built this thing <laughs> up like it was like the Rubik's Cube while you're on fire. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, geez, that was really simple. I think it's a cool visual, Um, like, especially if you're a fan in the building and you get there and you're sitting on your chair and waiting for the show to start. And you just see, you know, uh, five ropes on one side and five on the other. And then like a basically a sheet over everything in the middle. So you don't know where it's going. And it wasn't overcomplicated. It was just like, okay, grab your side. That's who you get. And uh, bing, bang, boom. There it is. And we're ready to go. Like, I don't think there's no huge notes over here. But I just thought it was a really cool visual uh, how they did it. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about these, obviously. Um and we're going to be talking about the whole sort of best of five series. I, I wasn't particularly, you know, I wasn't disappointed with any of the matchups, you know, especially looking forward to the Utami versus Momo match that we seem to have been building up to for a while. But I do have some thoughts on the way they structured it in the main event. So we'll talk about that in a moment. We open the show with, or open the main card, should I say, with a singles match, the return of Saya Ida, um, and she defeated stablemate Momo Kogo with the Northern Lights suplex in 6 minutes and 42 seconds. Uh, Matt, what did you think of this? We enjoyed this, but I'm not sure if anybody told Saida that Momo Kogo, uh, since she's been away, that Momo Kogo was in the same faction because uh, <laughs> she started off with like just chopping the bejesus out of poor Momo Kogo. I mean, Momo Kogo's, God bless her, she's probably like 90 pounds soaking wet holding the brick, and she's just throwing these chops and these chops, but for good reason because now it's like, well, if I'm getting chopped that hard, I have to hit you hard just as hard and uh, Momo Kogo who strikes the beginning better they were a lot better in this match just because they had to she had to sh uh, show some fight and Saida just takes her head off with this left-handed lariat so me and you text back all and forth about all these fancy lariats so now you have Mirai you have Saida you have uh, Micah Himika and Yutami all throw these 
brutal lariats. It's like the land of a thousand lariats. And I'm not getting sick of it anytime soon. But I thought this was really good. Momo showed a lot of fight getting towards the end. But this was uh, this was a good win to get Saeeda back on track or really back into the fold. Yeah, and I, I sort of misspoke at the start. Sayurida returned at New Blood in a tag setting, but obviously she's returning to a soul stardom ring here. It's her first singles match back since, obviously, her injury back in April last year. I thought she looked good here. I thought she had a real urgency. Um, obviously, when you're wrestling someone like Momokogo, who's like a ball of energy, it helps anyway. But she held nothing back here. Those chops... Honestly, I expected to see ribs splintering on poor Momo Kogo, but even so, I'm really glad to have Sayurida back. I've, you know, I've spoken a lot on this podcast about how much I highly rate Sayurida. I wouldn't be surprised if after the SWA Championship match, which is coming up in a couple of weeks, I wouldn't be surprised if Sayurida is up there challenging in the next couple of challenges for Tecla's SWA belt. I think that's a good division for her. Um, Matt, what did you give this? So as I saw, three and a one quarter stars, sir. Yeah, I gave it three stars. We are again so in sync. Um, we move on then to an eight-woman tag team match with the Donna Del Mondo team of Julia, May Sakurai, Mirai, and Tecla defeating the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Mina Shirakawa, Yunagi Sayaka, and Waka Sukiyama with May Sakurai pinning Waka with the Argentine face buster in 14 minutes and 46 seconds. I don't want to go too much into it here because I want to talk about it a little bit more um, after the Korokan match, but the overarching story of Waka Sukiyama might be my favorite thing in stardom at the moment the whole way she's changed since this May Sakurai turn. And I thought it was brilliantly executed, you know, her change in her demeanor and the way she's wrestled over these two matches, Matt. Yeah, uh, even the start of this match, I thought was something interesting. Now, let me ask you a question, sir. Have you ever been in a mosh pit before? I've broken ribs in a mosh pit, my friend. Oh, my goodness. That's a, that might be on the Q&A, folks. <laughs> that might be the Q&A. Um, well, the way this match started reminded me of like the wall of death. And just to give an idea of what that is, if you're, you're in a, mo- if you've never seen a wall of death, you can just literally go on YouTube and just type in like Lamb of God wall or just wall of death. So what they do is they split the whole entire mosh, but everybody on the left, everybody on the right. And like, if there's just nobody in the middle and as soon as the band plays one side or the left side runs to the right as fa- fast as possible. And the right runs to the left as fast as possible. And then you just hit and you don't, your friends 20 feet away by the time you wind up getting up. That's what this was like. The bell rang and it was just like the cosmic angels ran at them one way. And uh, Donald Del Mundo ran them at the other way. But yeah, this match was obviously built around Waka and Mai. And I thought obviously the stars of the team, uh, Tam on the, Cose, the cosmic angels team and Julia on the Donald Del Mundo team did a good job kind of staying out of the way just because their presence alone can kind of just, you know, take away from a match just because of just how, you know, how the how well they carry themselves. So there wasn't a lot of Julia or Tam in this match, and for good reason, because everything was really built around uh, Waka and uh, May Sakurai. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's just amazing how it was like five or six weeks ago. We were like, you know, Waka's really not that good. Does she even belong in stardom? And now it's like this storyline is like the best thing for her. She comes in and she has... Outside of Mayu Iwatani, she has, like the, she has the best facials in stardom. Like between, she shows emotion. She shows that she's upset when she loses. She shows that she's fired up and she's pissed off. And even in these matches where she's trying to waylay on, uh, you know, Himmick and Micah, two people that are even bigger than her, 
it's, but yeah, you're absolutely right there, my friend. Just she, she's on the bottom of the card, and her storyline is one of the most interesting things going on here. And uh, I also thought that it was it. You know, we knew that Waka was going to take the pinfall here. It's just kind of the way that they're building up the story. And even like Mai couldn't put away Waka. She kicked out of that dreadful elbow drop that I know you love so so much. <laughs> and then and then Julia had to come in and kind of give an assist. And then my winds up hitting the gourd buster for the win, but it's just amazing. It's just the bottom of the card. This person loses every match, and it's such an intriguing storyline. It's it's brilliant, and it, it does make you, you know, effectively these are throwaway undercard tag matches. You know, all the women have got different things coming up at World Climax. This is, you know, a, like I said, a throwaway tag match in the grand scheme of things. Yet I was so compelled by this whacker storyline, this whacker story arc, that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it, far more than perhaps I should have done. I gave it a solid three, Matt. Yeah, I was three as well. But now I, I, I got to text you off here. I need to know about this. You break another ribs and watch it. <laughs> so intrigued now. Trying to keep me on track now, buddy. <laughs> oh, I will do. Don't you worry. <laughs> um, match three then was another eight-woman tag team match with the Donna Del Mondo team of Himika, Mike, and Natsupoy and Suri defeating the Stars team of Hanan, Hazuki, Koguma, and Mayu Iwatani with Natsupoy pinning Hanan with the Ferial Gift in 13 minutes and 21 seconds. All your favorites in one ring apart from Tam, Matt. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Tam should have been the special guest referee of this one. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then maybe Ricky the Dragon Steamboat comes out as special guest timekeeper. But the first thing we got to notice, and we've kind of seen this on, uh, you know, on social media, is the bright velour colored jackets that Stars has, which I think it's kind of like sets them apart but makes them as like a better team. I thought that was uh, really cool. Uh, Koguma and Micah, they kind of rekindled the uh, the bear dance to start. I still wonder how they're going to pay that storyline off. Because, like, she came out dressed as a bear once, and, like, that was the end of it. But they kind of teased a little bit here in the beginning to kind of get a good laugh. And I thought uh, Mayu had really, really good chemistry with Natsupoi and Himika. I mean, again, it's Mayu Iwatani. She can wrestle a dolphin, a goat, a bear, a lamb, or a McDonald's cheeseburger, and it will be good. But I don't think those are singles matches that we've seen before, at least in a long form. So I would love to see Mayu Iwatani versus Natsupoi match and a Himika match. Um, Natsupoi, speaking of, you know, bringing stiff stuff, uh, her forearms on Hannah were really, really in there. I mean, she was really wailing on Hannah, and that's maybe another aspect of her offense that's yet to have been tapped into is her, is her striking. I think it's something really underrated that kind of got shown here. Um, but ultimately, uh, Hannah eats, eats Lariat's, Lariat's sandwich, and then... Uh, that's the point winds up getting the win. I thoroughly enjoyed this match. I thought everybody looked really good. I thought everybody was in sync. I thought the double teams and triple teams made sense. And I had this at a high three and three fourth stars. I really, really enjoyed this. Yeah, I mean, to be perfect, just in that stars team alone, you've got Kogama, Haz- um, Hazuki, and Mayu Iwatani, three of the best in ring um, in stardom. And then just look at the stacked Donna Del Mondo roster. You know, Suri, the champion, Natsupoi, who is phenomenal, Micah and Himika, two of the best lariat throwers and strongest women on this roster. It was always going to be a good match. Um, I gave it three and a half. I thought it was really good fun. Um, again, stars over these two shows had two very, very, very entertaining matches between this and their 10 woman against um, Oedetai at Corican. Um, we move on then. We finally get to um, our best of five series between Queen's Quest 
and a weather time. We're going to talk about each of these five matches individually, but I'm just going to run through the order with which they went. And I want to just get your opinion on a couple of things, Matt. So we opened with Momo versus Yutami. We then went to Saki versus Lady C, Azumi versus Rina, Saya Kamatani versus Ruaka, and then we ended on Starlight Kid and Miu Amasaki. Now, the problem that I have with this is at this point, when Starlight Kid and Miu Amasaki come out as what is effectively the main event, the fifth match of this best of five series, and, you know the match that's going to decide it. Why was that not Momo versus Utami? Yeah, they should have flipped it. I totally agree. They should have flipped it. I mean, at the same time, you're starting, it's the main event. You kind of want to start with something hot. I thought the Momo Utami stuff was the best of the two nights. And I thought both nights were really good. But at the same time, it's like, you kind of know where this is going. They, Oedo Tai needs a win in order to tie this. And you're literally having the wrestler who's going to be wrestling Kyrie in a week's time and somebody who's only had their second match. So, yeah, I totally agree. They should have flipped it. I mean, I, they could have started out hot with Starlight Kid and Miyu. I thought, you know, especially Miyu's getting, she's getting some buzz off her after her first match uh, with Yutami and New Blood, which we covered uh, earlier this week. And the fact that she's in Queen's Quest. So, yeah, I I think that's, I, I knew you were gonna, that's where you were going to go with. I think that they, they should have flipped the order. Um I thought matches two, three, and four were perfect order. It made sense. You know, mm-hmm. everything was it was built right. But yeah, I think match one and match five, they, they should have flipped. And not just because of who is in that match in Momo versus Utami. I mean, that's a main event match anyway. But the fact that that ended in a time limit draw, and we're going to get into this in a moment. Pardon me. The fact that this ended in a draw meant that Starlight Kid had to beat Miyu Amasaki, Amasaki to get the draw. And Miyu, no matter how much buzz there is around Amasaki after New Blood, she ain't beating Starlight Kid here. So that sort of, it became an anti-climax to this best of five series to me because it was inevitable that Starlight Kid was going to win and it was going to ultimately become a two-all draw. So having Starlight Kid and Miyu Amasaki go, First, have Starlight beat Mew. That's absolutely fine. The match itself was fine, and the result was fine. All of the results are okay. But have Momo and Utami be the ones, you know, it's two apiece. These two are fighting for, you know, their respective factions, and have that then go to a time limit draw so it ends at two all. Surely that is the better way round than starting with the draw, having Saki beat Lady C, Azumi beat Rina, and Saya beat Ruaka, so that Starlight has to beat a rookie to get the two-all draw because it just, for me anyway, it ended on a real, for lack of a better phrase, a wet fart, which is a shame because they built this quite well. Um, yeah, if you remember if you remember a few weeks ago on the Patreon, we did the uh, Queen's Quest for Soweto Tai elimination match and it came down to a fresh Momo versus a fresh Tam. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, when they got in the ring, they, they paused for a second to get the crowd up. Because it's like, okay, this is the final. This is going to be the decisive. Everybody's kind of on the same level. Just think about if they would have done that with, obviously, you know, the big heel Momo and the big savior of Queen's Quest, Utami, with all the stuff they've built up over the last three or four months. And then the bell rings and they start. They did kind of start slow to build the crowd up. But now the stakes are even more. 
because the winner of this fall wins the match and wins you know the bragging rights for their unit, and then it ends in a in a time limit draw. You know, it's like, oh man, where are we gonna go from here? But yeah, I totally agree. I mean, all five of these matches were pretty well, but yeah, I think that they would have flipped match one and match five, they would have gotten a lot more out of it. Let's break it down then. So the first match of this best of five, as we already mentioned, was Momo Watanabe versus Yutami Hayashishta, which ended in a time limit draw at 15 minutes. Now, considering the beef between these two in particular and the singles match that they're building towards, you know, and there is a lot of bad blood between these two um, stemming from the way Momo left. Were you surprised that we opened with grappling and not the aggressive striking that we ultimately ended on, Matt? I mean, I guess a little bit. Maybe they're trying to feel each other out who's better in the grappling, but the grappling didn't last long because Momo started lining Utami up with those kicks. I mean, she was throwing a lot. She was throwing them at her legs. She was throwing them at her chest, at her head. And then Utami responds back in kind with forms. And it basically just kind of breaks down until, like, the last nine or ten minutes, kind of a big brawl mm. between these two. You can kind of tell where it was going. And again, we know that we're going to get this match in a big show somewhere where they're probably going to get the up the, the time of probably 23, 24, 25 minutes. And I think like if this was just like our sample of what we're going to get, man, I'm super excited because you can just feel the intensity and the heat in this where they uh, they don't like each other you know, at all, because it's obviously the Momo with the heel turn and they're constantly at each other's face at all these shows. Uh, cutting promos on each other on the mic, pulling each other's hair. You know, Momo wants Queen's Quest to disband. Obviously, Utami wants to get revenge for what Momo did at the end of last year. I mean, you can feel the intensity between these two. And again, coming from a wrestling uh, aspect, just kind of looking at it, when they put this match together, I don't think there was much that they put put together. See you out there when it goes 15? <laughs> it goes 15 and I'll buy yourself either a sherbet or a beer or whatever whatever they drink or eat after the matches because <laughs> yeah, these two just kicked the bejesus out of each other. Yeah, it, everything else was an outstanding mix of hatred and reminding us of how good they are together. The striking, the brutality of the brawling was fantastic. Momo's work on Utami's strapped-up knee and, you know, alongside that, Utami reminding us just how good she is at selling a limb. I thought, uh, I was just a little bit taken aback by the start because I expected them to just lamp into each other. But I thought overall this match was paced perfectly. You know, the 15-minute draw made sense. Um, We're obviously building to a singles match on a bigger stage, which is absolutely fine by me. These two I could watch wrestle forever. I thought this was a really, really good match. I gave it four stars, loved watching it, loved the brutality, and I loved the fact that, you know, come the very, very end and the the promos, that Utami was still selling the knee. We don't see enough of that, Matt. Yeah, and uh, we'll get to it in a minute, but they were, during this whole thing, they were kind of still brawling on the outside. Like, your match has been over for 15, 20, 30 minutes, and these two are still going at it, <laughs> which I thought was kind of a little a little key. But yeah, I was the same. I gave this four stars. And actually what I did is um, after I finished this show, I actually went back and watched their red belt match from, uh, I believe it was 2020 and just mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. Like I just, I can't wait to see these two wrestle again and where they're going to get somewhere like, you know, 20, 21, 22 minutes. Cause this 15 minutes was just, was just fantastic. And you Tommy selling just constantly just, you know, gets better, gets better. You just, she's, she just feels like the underdog. And then when she fires back up, you can just see it that she's fighting through so much pain uh, just to get one shot. in. she's, 
doesn't mind taking two or three shots just to deliver that one, create some space, and then go back to it. I mean, her selling is just absolutely brilliant. Yeah, she's one of the best organic, realistic sellers in the company. I mean, you know, it, it's part of what makes her matches so damn compelling. You know, especially you look at that last match with Suri, um, her opener in the five-star with Micah, and then this here. It really does help you to be fully engaged and fully immersed in some of her matches. So, yeah, I was very, very impressed with this match. Um, we moved on then with the score at nil-nil um, to our second match with Saki Kashima defeating Lady C with my emblem at seven minutes and four seconds. Um, Matt, this was this was okay. This is where it needed to be. I mean, you just came out 15 minutes of basically... The two leaders, I don't, you can say whoever the leaders are, in my opinion, the two best workers in your two stacked factions. So it's like, where are you going to go from here? You know, you kind of, you kind of need to let something to let down. Not this match wasn't bad. But you got seven minutes. Lady C throws this horrendous Yakuza kick at Saki, just like almost like not her next week. And you could tell when Saki got back on the offense, she returned in kind. Uh, she's getting a lot better with the striking. You know, we mentioned her kicks, but she's throwing some really good forearm kick combination in. Um, wind up getting some heat on Lady C. Lady C fires back a little, and eventually she winds up getting the uh, the win with the My Emblem. But yeah, this is what it needed to be. It was solid, not overcomplicated. They told a good story. They got in, they got out, and uh, this gives Oedo tie the uh, the quick advantage up, uh, basically one nothing. But as far as star ratings goes, I'd give this one three. Uh, it's all three stars. I enjoyed it. I think it wasn't too long. Uh, it did what it needed to do. Yeah, two and three quarters for me. I think Lady C is improving every time she gets in the ring. I think she's doing really well in a single setting. Completely agree with you about the strikes. Um, you know, her shotgun, um, her machine gun chops have always been like her go-to. But here, I think she's starting to improve. You know, those big boots are connecting really, really well. Those forearms, there's a lot of fire and a lot of aggression behind them. And I think that's really working in her favor. Um, we move on then with a weather type with a 1-0 advantage to our third singles match with Azumi defeating Rina with the Azumi Sushi in 8 minutes and 41 seconds. This was interesting. I was looking forward to seeing how Rina would do in a high-speed sort of setting, and I thought she did tremendously well, Matt. This was the best I've seen Rina. I mean, we all, we've been touting Azumi for a long time about just how well she is. But it just seems like ever since she won the high-speed belt and maybe the fact that she grew her hair, I don't know, but she's <laughs> on a completely different level between this and then the, the show the next day that we'll talk about. I mean, she's always been really, really good, and we always say, you know, oh, come the end of spring, beginning of summer, she might be a challenger for the white belt. I, I think she's almost ready for a challenger for the red belt just by how well she carried Rena here. I mean, Rena held her own, but when it came to, like, kicking up to another gear – Azumi really did a good job pulling her up here. I mean, I thought it was really, really, really good. Uh, Rena had, had this uh, backslide on a jackknife pin that was, I mean, I kind of knew, knew what the finish was, but it was so close. Azumi did a really good job of kicking out 2.999. Uh, they wind up spilling to the outside where all hell breaks loose. Uh, they almost get a count-out win. Uh, Rena almost gets a count-out win because they're brawling all the way at the back of the building. And as Azumi's trying to make her way into the ring, Jerkhead Momo, her former tag partner, schoolyard trips are like they're in the fourth grade as she's trying to get to the <laughs> ring and i thought that was that was just like the way she was like running to the ring and momo just like slipped aside <laughs> and just put her foot out and then just walked away with her hands behind her back like something out of a charlie brown cartoon <laughs> i will never not love momo but i was like you jerk you jerk i thought that was so funny and again like when they went to the outside 
Momo was trying to get after Izumi. Utami was trying to make the save. So here's Utami and Momo just waylaid each other for 15 minutes. It's like, yeah, this isn't our match, but we're out there. Why wouldn't we beat on each other? And they start going to beat each other up again. So you had another match within a match. But I thought this was really, really good. Um, Izumi, as she always does when she builds towards the finish of her match, she just throws like one thing after another after another. It's like, just don't blink. She's going to put on three things to get into one huge transition, which she did here. I I thoroughly, thoroughly love this. I have this at three and three-fourth star. I thought Izumi was the MVP of these two shows. She's just getting better every time, and it just blows me away just how good she is at such a young age. Yeah, I gave it three and a half. I thought Rena as well. I mean, you know, we do lavish praise on Azumi, and rightly so. She's amazing. But Rena, I thought, at 15, I think she could be a future sort of high-speed competitor at the highest level. She could hold that belt, and I think she held her own against Azumi. And at no point did you feel like Azumi was dropping her pace to accommodate Rena. You felt like it was very much a, an evenly matched, um, well, match. Um, but I did enjoy the fact that uh, Rena still bought in the Oedetai things, you know, tempting her to the outside and then have Momo trip her up, which was hilarious. Um, we move on then with the scores tied at 1-1 to the fourth of the five matches with Sayakamatani defeating Ruaka with the Frankensteiner in five minutes and 52 seconds. Um, again, similar to the Lady C versus Saki Kashima match, this did what it needed to do. Um, obviously we, we can't have Ruwaka defeat Sayakamatani, not when Sayakamatani holds the white belt, but equally you've got to try and keep Ruwaka strong because she's challenging Tekla for the SWA belt in a couple of days. So Saya winning with the Frankensteiner, that sort of almost a flash pin did keep Ruwaka strong. And then obviously Ruwaka beat down Saya after the bell, but of all the matches, I'd argue this one is possibly the most forgettable match. I agree with you. And I understand you need to keep Ruwaka, you know, somewhat strong as she has that uh, uh, that title match coming up with Tekla. But Sayakamatani is the white belt champion. And if you were judging this on, like, points, this was, like, 60-40, 65-35 Ruwaka. Like, I just kind of didn't understand how kind of Saya kind of got buried a little bit here. Not buried, but um, she was on the defensive and on the cell for quite a bit of this match. I understand, you know, you want to get a flash pin. You know, maybe we're not going to do the Phoenix Splash or the Star Crusher. I understand that. No problem there. But I thought she was on the defensive for just a little bit too much of this match. And, uh, yeah, this one, it was kind of a forgettable kind of throwaway for me just based off that. Because I think Saya Kamatani has such a uh, powerful explosion offense. You kind of want to see a lot of it. And we really didn't. She was really good on the selling, don't get me wrong. But for someone who's the second uh, highest tier belt champion in the company, for her to be on the offensive with somebody that's kind of on the lower end of the card kind of didn't make sense to me. And I kind of had this one at two and a half stars. I, you know, really didn't care too much for it. No, no, me neither. Um, We move on then to what would ultimately be the deciding match with the score at 2-1 to Queen's Quest. We have the main event of Starlight Kid defeating the rookie Miyu Amasaki with the Texas Cloverleaf in 11 minutes and 10 seconds. Now, as much as me and Matt have said how we'd have flipped the order and things like that, I thought Miyu Amasaki did a fantastic job against one of the best in ring in stardom at the moment, Matt. Yeah, this was really good. Miu has some really good drop kicks, and I think uh, Starlight Kid was 
the perfect opponent here to be feeding, to be in the right spot at the right time, know when to feed a comeback. I thought the stuff was really good here. Towards the end, Miyu had some really cool flash pins. Um, that was kind of getting her some close to three counts, but ultimately uh, the leg work and the uh, back work was just a little bit too much. And Starlight Kid winds up um, using the Texas Cloverleaf for the win, which I haven't seen her get a win if that hold, I don't know, maybe even ever. Is that something that has she is she, that she goes back into her uh, bag of tricks from time? It's one, better than me, sir. It's one of those where she has won matches with it before, but not very often. It's been very much an underrated finish from Starlight, but she has used it previously, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought, well, on the psychology of it made sense, just by the limb work that she was doing. But this was good. I had uh, three and a quarter stars, and uh, I thought this was, you know, it was good. It was it was solid. Obviously, again, it would have meant more for the Momo-Yutami match, but now that I'm, to go on last, but now that I'm thinking about it, if that match did go on last, would we get the Momo Azumi trip on the outside? I don't know. I I would sacrifice that though to have uh, Momo Yutami <laughs> as the main event. <laughs> I I did enjoy. Um, I thought Starlight Kid did well here to carry. Again, I don't want to use the word carry, but she did. Lead, a lead. Co- yeah, you know, she led the match very very well, similarly to how Yutami led the match very well at the New Blood Show, but ultimately. This match was a foregone conclusion. Um, no, I don't think anyone in the arena expected me and Masaki to pull out the surprise whenever Starlight Kid here. But that's that's by the by. It was a good match. Both women did very well. Mio Masaki, considering this is only her second professional match, had a brilliant account of herself. She didn't look green at all. I thought she did very well. Um, still managed to get off that fantastic looking pile driver. Still managed to get in the uh, Milano Collection AT sort of roll up. So yeah. All good. I gave it three and a quarter. I thought overall it was really, really sound. Um, We then had an interesting post-match with Awedatai sort of alluding to the fact that they want to see Queen's Quest break up. And Yutami rightly says, well, we never talked about dissolving units. Where's all this come from? And Momo Watanabe just outright comes out and says it. I want to fire you at some point to dissolve your unit. I want to see you break up. Now... We haven't seen this since Awedatai fought Tokyo Cyber Squad back in 2020 and Konami turned on Jungle Kiona. So are we going to see... I can't see... If this ever comes to fruition, and we are talking, you know, in the future, I can't see this happening for another good couple of months yet. If this happens, I can't see Awedatai being the ones to break up, Matt. No, but just to, uh, before I answer your question, just to hit the rewind button on about a minute, Starlight Kid grabs the mic and says, well, since she won the final fall, away to tie wins. And then I think it was either Zumi or Yutami, I, I, I apologize, grabs the microphone and says, no, it was a tie. Just because you won the last match doesn't mean that you won. <laughs> I thought that was funny, that, that you won uh, this overall thing. And I was like, how funny it would have been if... <laughs> if Queen's Quest went up 4 nothing, and then Starlight Kid gets the win and it's 4-1 and Starlight Kid's like, yeah, we won because I won the last match. <laughs> I thought that would be comical. But yeah, I was kind of thinking about this. It's just like, well, are they going to break up Queen's Quest? Are they going to break up Weedle Tie? But maybe it's something that they do where if Queen's Quest loses, they have to disband. But if they win, maybe Starlight Kid has to unmask. Or maybe... Nobody in that faction is a champion, but maybe they get a championship match or maybe they get a member of uh, Oedo Tai to leave because they never said anything. They only mentioned that if Queen's Quest loses, if they do this match, they have to break up. 
They never said it's going to be a faction breakup match, but maybe Queen's Quest they ha- they say something along the lines of well, we want some you know something else. So maybe that's the, it's kind of two different stipulations because I just can't see either of these factions breaking up. Wado Tai is the big heel group. Queen's Quest they just added two new members. I mean they have all that fancy merchandise. They're kind of they have all the fancy robes. Like I just can't see either of these factions breaking up. So I think that's maybe what something that they're going to do down the line where. If Queen's Quest loses, they have to break up. But if uh, Wado Tai loses, I don't know. Something else has to happen. Maybe the um, that uh, horrible lunchbox suitcase thing that uh, Ruaka carries <laughs> around. They they set they set it on fire. Maybe that's what it is. Because that's I love everything about Stardom, and that's maybe one of the things that I'm like, yeah. Uh, if I was Booker for ten minutes, that might be one thing right next to Mike Sakurai's elbow that would probably go in the garbage. <laughs> yes, we talked about Wrestling Room One Hundred and One a couple of weeks ago. That's those, what it was. That's yeah, what it was. Those two things will be straight <laughs> in there. They'd be the first two things. Um, let's move on then to the show from the thirteenth of March, twenty twenty-two. Uh, Starting in Corican Hall from Corican Hall, Tokyo, with an attendance of seven hundred and seventy-eight people making this the highest attended Corican show since pre-pandemic uh in fact it's the highest since the way to major league show back in february 2020 so it's good to see that we are slowly but surely returning to something that resembles normality in terms of wrestling um those 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 numbers rap sorry to cut you off i just gotta cut those numbers that that you just gave is that the highest attended stardom show in Corkin or the highest attended uh, wrestling show in Corkin? It's definitely the highest attended uh, stardom show in Corkin since the pandemic. I wouldn't be surprised if it is one of the highest attended of any promotion. I mean, there's only really New Japan and okay. maybe Dragon Gate that come anywhere near stardom at Corkin anyway. Um, so I don't know. I'd have to do a little bit more research, but it's definitely the highest attended stardom show at Corrigan since February in 2020. Huh, interesting. Yeah. I think that building holds close to 2000 at full capacity. I think a sellout when they sold out the ninth anniversary show, it was 1600. So just over 1600, I believe. Um, this way to major league show, I think was 1500 and something. So yeah, I think, I think it's about, Oh, I think it's about eighteen, nineteen hundred. I think it holds, yeah. well, depending well, on how it's set out. Yeah, you're pro wrestling, so you have to embellish. So if you're sixteen hundred, you're about twenty three hundred. You know? Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> like, you know, WrestleMania thirty two with its four hundred eighty five thousand people <laughs> attendance. Um, <laughs> we open this Corrigan Hall show with a three way match with Mina Shirakawa defeating Momokogo and Fukikin Death with the implant DDT in eight minutes and seventeen seconds, proving. And then my point, sorry, disproving my point that Fuking and Death doesn't win every multi-woman on the undercard. Um, in my Joshi fandom, it's always been my mission to completely ignore Fukigen or Goking Death as much as is humanly possible. But I've got to admit, her Eastern European theme song is utterly terrifying, Matt. Yeah, uh, I thought that this was uh, this was pretty good. But yeah, you were wrong here, my man. With the um, with the the Fukin Death win, you you got one wrong. 
I did. did you, uh, were you, were you, were you, so you were surprised at that. Well, I mean, first we got to start off by the Mina Shirakawa PG-13 entrance. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened backstage or so had she lost a bet or something. She she was proper going for it. She sure was. There, There's, there's a... You know, we, get, we need to get in the match, but there's a GIF online and they have well, her doing the dance like right as soon as she comes out. And there's this guy in this red and white striped shirt that he's just trying to hold it together. Like right there in the front <laughs> row, right next to this poor guy. I mean, he looked like he's sweating. He's sweating bullets. Like doesn't know how to react. God bless him. But anywho, I thought the match was really good. Uh, Death's comedy spots were, uh, she put them in the in great spots, like where they needed to be. Didn't take away from the match, but got her, her stuff in. And obviously the main portion of the match was Momo Kogum and Mina Shirakawa. I thought their stuff was really, really good. And I'd like to see a singles match between the two of them uh, down the way. But yeah, I thought Fukin Death was going to get the win here. But well, every now and again, I guess somebody else has to get the win. But I thought this, this was a good pickup win for Mina uh, here. I thought this was a solid match. And I had this at three and one quarter, sir. Yeah, I had it at two and three quarters. It, it was, you know, it, it's fine. Um, I did enjoy when uh, Mina and Momo were in the figure four and Fukin Death was just sitting on them reading the paper. I did enjoy that. There is the odd moment where uh, Fukin Death's comedy hits the right point. Um, match two then, a singles match. Yunagi Sayaka defeats Mei Sakurai with Jiaman Topper in 6 minutes and 31 seconds. Now, I just want to briefly read you a summary of my review of their last match from... Oh, 20- is this in Living the Dream? Starting the 10th anniversary? <laughs> uh, to say that I was not complimentary of this match is an understatement. I'd just like to read you a couple of choice phrases. Um, uh, Unagi is fine here, but hardly sets the world alight and can certainly be blamed for overselling every ineffective strike of Maze, of Maze like she's been hit by a Boeing 747. We get none of her signature offense, which means we almost solely enjoy strikes and her leg drop. This is possibly the worst singles match I've ever seen in stardom. Now, I don't want to say that they had a low bar to get over, Matt, but it can't have been any worse than their match in August, in this very venue, nonetheless. Yeah, so what you're saying is you didn't like this match from uh, from last year. It's it's up there with the worst matches I've seen. It was it was dreadful. Um, yeah, did not enjoy it at all. But this, uh, this I thought was considerably better, Matt. Yeah, it was a little bit better. They they had a little bit better timing. I didn't see the match that you reviewed just because when I did read your book, I was like, yeah, that might be one that I will definitely skip. Uh, it only it only went a handful of minutes, which was good. It did what it needed to do. Yunagi looked really, really strong at the end. So uh, no harm, no foul. They both work hard. And it kind of makes sense for the storyline of May leaving Cosmic Angels for Yunagi, who's kind of like the second in command to basically come for her head. That's basically what she kind of did here. Yeah, um, the Jiman Topper, which is her swinging STO, um, apparently loosely translates, by the way, as Break Through the Castle Gates, which is such a better name, and that is 100% what it should be called. Um, yeah, there's only so much they can do in six minutes. Um, I would have liked to have seen you, Nagi, go a little bit more for the jugular of May, proper go in with that aggression that we've seen her and Mina have in the last couple of matches. But, you know, this was, you know, this was fine. I gave it two and three quarters, which is considerably more than the dud I gave it back in 2021. What about you, Matt? 
Yeah, I was two and three quarters. Uh, two and uh, two and three quarters as well. Let's move on then. So a tag team match next. Match three. Queen's Quest team of Azumi and Miyu Amasaki defeated the Cosmic Angels team of Tam and Waka Tsukiyama with Azumi pinning Waka with the diving double foot stomp in 10 minutes and 41 seconds. Um, again, just talking about that transition in Wacker over the last few weeks. You know, she's far from smiling, doing the C-shape with her arms. She's now stony face. She's sprinting to the ring and has this look of real determination on her face. And like I said before, I love that the May turn has had this effect on her. And it's one that's actually noted by Yunagi in her own post-match uh, comments after a match on May, saying that May's turn changed whackers you know there's been this change in the way she wrestles the way uh she carries herself the demeanor that she's got so i like that they are carrying that on and that is the story beat that they're sort of going with in promos as well um but overall i thought she looked brilliant again in ring matt yeah even from her entrance like she watched the ring like she just took three scoops of really high intense pre-workout she was fired up um but i thought all the stuff looked really good i thought Again, Azumi really, really showed her star power here. Obviously, the best stuff of the match was the stuff her and Tam. And I know we haven't seen a uh, real solid uh, singles match between the two of them. And hopefully that's something that we get somewhere in the near future. I thought that uh, Tam and Waka did a good job leading Miyu around. Again, we don't like to use the word carry. I, I lead around. She basically had her uh, Tam, or Tam did a really good job of putting her where she needed to go, selling her for when she needed to sell. Uh, putting her in proper spots so this way it made sense for the match. I thought that was really good. Again, the uh, the heart of the match was the Izumi Tam stuff in the middle. Their exchanges were really good, really precise. Everything made sense. And then I thought the Waka, I thought this was the best Waka looked as well. I thought the closing stretch that she had with Izumi was really, really good. And again, Izumi did a really good job of giving Waka enough stuff to make her look really good and to make people me, you, and everybody else really care about what they're doing with her. Ultimately, and she winds up beating the double footstop. But I thought this was absolutely tremendous. This was a, a lot better match than I thought it was going to be. And again, Azumi, to me, is just coming off as such a huge star. I gave this one three and three-fourths. I love this. I hopefully I hope we see an Azumi-Tam match somewhere down the road, like 15, 16 minutes. I thoroughly enjoyed, enjoyed myself with this one. Yeah, I was at three and a half. And actually, completely piggybacking on what you said, similar lead to something I'm going to say later. I'm gutted we never got an Azumi versus Tam program for the white belt, but I thought they worked tremendously well here. Um, I thought Waka adding that sort of hammerlock suplex, if that becomes her finish, I'm, I'm more than happy with that because she has relied heavily on drop kicks and flash pins. And whilst that's fine when you are, you know, a rookie and at the bottom of the card, you do need to start developing an offense. And I think she's doing that well here. She's hitting a she's hitting a timings well. I think overall she looks tremendous. And again, Miu, considering this is this is a third match. Um, I thought she looked really, really good. There was a great DDT reversal out of a Tam Suplex. Again, hit the really cool pile driver. Overall. It was a really, really entertaining tag match. And it's third on the card. So it is a little bit of a hidden gem. Maybe it'll make our hidden gem list at the end of this year. Who knows? 
Match four then, a 10-woman tag match. The Oeditai team of Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, Ruaka, Rina, and Saki Kashima defeated the Stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Hazuki, Kagama, Saya Ida, and Hanan after Rina pins Hanan with the rechristened Pink Bomb in 13 minutes and 35 seconds. I'm a big fan of the way that they've set this match up, um, especially with, you know, it's it's called a Ryogoku outpost match. And, you know, with Azuki facing Momo, Rina facing Hanan, and then FWC facing Black Desire all over the World Climax weekend, I thought a lot of stories and a lot of rivalries, as well as the overarching Mayu versus Oeditai storyline, were progressed because of this match, Matt. Yeah, that was really good. And we you put together matches when there's more than four or five or six people. It can be like a cluster because if you have one person that's in the wrong spot or something missed time or they missed your cue, it's like the domino effect. Like it'll affect the whole match. So when you have 10 people in this match, there's a lot that can go wrong. To me, I thought this was like pretty damn flawless. I thought this was really, really good. I really enjoyed the uh, five-way face wash spot that Stars did on a way to tie to really get the match going. I thought that was good. It was well-timed. It was set up really, really well. It made sense. Nobody was kind of just laying there for three minutes waiting for them to hit the spot. I thought that was really good. Uh, it broke down to single stuff that, again, it'll make sense for uh, for coming up here at World Climax, especially with the Momo Hazuki stuff. I can't wait for that match because the little glimpse that we got here of two of them was kicking the bejesus out of each other was really good. And then eventually broke down into the uh, Black Desire, as I call them, MK Sisters Part 2 versus FWC, which is uh, obviously another match that's going to be on World Climax. And then um, basically just built towards the fitness with uh, Rina and Hina, the two juniors of the group, basically getting the spotlight on the end. And again, uh, with uh, Hina, or sorry, Rina getting another pin over, uh, over, I'm sorry, Rina getting a pin over Hannah. Rina, Hina, Hannah, there's a lot of people. <laughs> I I got I got the Cinderella tournament on the brain, sir. But again, she gets another pinfall win over her sister, building more momentum into their title match. But I thought this was excellent. I just said three and three fourth stars. I thought this was terrific. Again, for all the moving parts and for all that can go wrong, next to nothing went wrong here. No, absolutely. And I'm I'm full on with you there. Three and three quarter stars. I thought this set up brilliantly the stuff that we're going to see at World Climax and again gives Rina that all-important momentum going into that title match because spoiler I don't see her coming out with the title um let's move on then to the semi-main event talking about Rio Goku output outpost matches match five a tag team match the Donna Del Mondo team of Julia and Tecla and the Donna Del Mondo team of Siori and Mirai ended in a time limit draw of 20 minutes now retrospectively perhaps this is the most obvious time limit draw we're ever going to get but I like the story pardon me, going into World Climax, that there cannot be a winner between Siori and Julia. Um, the last three matches they've had against each other have been three draws. In fact, before their match in Osaka in December 2020, where they had a belt versus belt match, um, there was one win for Julia and Micah against Siori and Himika in the 2020 Goddess of Stardom Tag League, and then one for Siori and Micah against Himika and Julia on the road to Osaka Dream Cinderella. Ironically, I think uh, Himika ate the pin in both matches. So they've wrestled each other five times. There have been three time limit draws, one win each, 
with neither of them taking the pinfall. This is a really underrated story, Matt. Yeah, and you can build the, the tension. I mean, just coming off the last match, that crowd is really, really hot. And then you're basically getting a preview of your main event for the first night of World Climax. And they're doing a really good job over the past few weeks building the tension between uh, Sherry and Julia. And you can tell as soon as the, this match started, the crowd was really into it. They did a good job kind of looking at each other, kind of sizing each other up, like who's going to make the first move, who's going to make the first mistake. I thought that was really good. And Mariah and Tekla played their parts really, really well here where they got enough stuff in but didn't take away from the main story, which is ultimately the uh, the red belt match coming up between Julia and Sherry. And as this match was going on, they were doing the countdown. And I'm like, oh, man, we're going to get a time limit draw here. Like, you really couldn't have Julia pin Mariah to build her up. But then as you get to the final minute where Julia's really putting the boots to Sherry and she hits the glorious driver right as the buzzer hits, and it just makes you think, huh, if this is a title match and she has five more seconds, and that she hits that, we're going to have ourselves a new champion, which was just absolutely brilliant booking because that is pretty much the last image that you see of the two of them is Julia on top of Sherry saying, hey, the time limit may have expired, but I had you. I thought that was brilliant. They timed that finish so well. Like, we've seen we've seen that finish quite often, um, and quite often the the person will have to kick out and then the bell will ring and it doesn't quite have the same impact um there's another really good one where um it was an all queen's quest match just before budokan and uh utami kicked out of the star crusher um it was literally just as the bell went and it was it was so immaculately timed but this i think this was better because julia had her. And she actually did the count afterwards as well with her own hand, and Suri wasn't moving. So she can say, you know, and everything that happened afterwards was brilliant, because after this, you then got Risa Sarah coming out um, and saying that she can't wait for Rio Goku, and she wants, and she doesn't want, she demands that Suri wins the belt on that first night, so that A, it's Julia in that match on the 27th, which I think we can all agree it's going to be because the whole storyline is between Julia and Suzu Suzuki. If she's not in that match, then sort of negates it slightly. And B, she wants to face Suri for the red belt. And Julia at this point is completely incensed because not only have prominence sort of come out at the end of this 20-minute all-out drag-out brawl, and sort of shown their true cause as almost cowards. You know, you can't face us when we're fit. You've got to come out when we've just had this 20-minute brawl. But also now she's getting paranoid. She thinks that Suri is part of this prominence thing. She thinks that, you know, she's had this sort of, this little kernel of doubt in her head, and it's suddenly starting to blossom. And I love it. She storms off, refuses to wait, and Tekla's sort of like, Okay, I guess we're leaving. And Mariah and Suri are sat in ring going, this isn't real. What are you doing? Where are you going? And this dissension that's coming on between Donna Del Mondo, I know that, you know, after World Climax, Donna Del Mondo will cease to be, but I loved everything about the way they get, the way they structured the match itself. Julia looked like an absolute killer here. For everything that they didn't do by letting her pin someone, they did in other areas. They absolutely had to destroy Mirai. That forearm, the one that was gift 
Jesus Christ, it floored Mariah legitimately. It looked incredible. But everything they did after, now sowing that paranoia in Julia as well, I love it. Absolutely love it. I gave it four stars, Matt. Yeah, I had it at three and three-fourths, but how about that slap she threw at the end too? Oh, I mean, the slap exchanges between the two was incredible. Like, honestly, they were absolutely hoiking each other. They were proper slapping each other. It sounded and looked brilliant. And again, I cannot wait for that first match at World Climax because if both women go at each other like they went at each other in this match, it's going to be beautiful chaos. And I cannot wait. Match six then, and the main event of this Corrigan Hall show was an Artist of Stardom Championship match with the uh, champion team of Mai Himipoi, Micah Himika, and Natsupoi, defeating the Queen's Quest team of Yutami Hayashista, Sayakamatani, and Lady C, with Micah pinning Lady C with the Michinoku Driver 2 in 18 minutes and 43 seconds. Now, this is V6. For my Himi Poi, and they seem to have raced to that number very quickly and very under the radar, Matt. Yeah, I was like, at the end, uh, spoilers, when Cosmic Angels came out, and was like, no, you want to get to our record, we're going to block it. And I was like, are they at that number already? I'm like, I, I guess so. Um, but I got a question for you, sir. Okay. Who had the, who had the better uh, in-ring dance? Was it Himika or was it Lady C? <laughs> Um, because Lady C didn't dance and it was just as good as what Himika did <laughs> that's where I was going you're probably like all confused I was like does he mean Micah no I see what you mean now I'll be honest like the the smile just looks a little bit more fixed on Himika's face doesn't it she not so point proper gets into it and then Micah can get away with it because you know she does the goofy stuff like with the dressing up as a bear and stuff like that. She dressed up with the, as a wolf at one point, I believe. Um, but I don't know. Himika just kind of looks like, Jesus Christ, this again. Um, I do I do sort of feel sorry for her. So I know what you mean. And yeah, bless her. Um, I did enjoy the fact that a wild Tam Nakano appeared during the Queen's Quest entrance to take a picture of them. Um, you just sort of saw her squirreled away behind the bleachers. Um, but overall, this was another great title match. Another really, really good one. I think I texted you and I said, you know, both these shows are really good, but these last four matches, you could have put on like a pay-per-view and then give you like a big main event. I would have been like, I totally got my money's worth. But I thought this was really good. I thought uh, Lady C's base worked really well with Natsupoi's offense. I mean, Lady C is very tall, very lanky. Natsupoi does that high-speed offense where she's throwing the arm drags. There was that one where she does that arm drag where she uh, basically turns herself upside down in like a flip, and then she throws the arm drag, and then they come back, or she comes back with a drop kick. The way Lady C took the arm drag and then basically pivoted on her knees so she can feed for the drop kick, I, was, I thought that was absolutely perfect because that takes like real athletic ability. I know it doesn't sound like it, but like that, for you to take that drag the way to plant your feet and to spin back around so you're there on time and safe for not support to throw that drop kick. It, it really is something that uh, that's very underrated. I thought that was really cool. Uh, Natsupoi came across again. Huge star. I mean, she's just coming across as a big, big star, especially after that match with Saya Kamatani. Um, I thought everything was really well. Everything was placed really well. 
and eventually the lariats came, didn't they? Did they not, my friend? This became the uh, the the match of a thousand lariats. Lariats to electric boogaloo, indeed. Um, I I love this exchange of lariats between Utami and Himika, and I mentioned earlier that. Um, Azumi and Tam was a program I wish we'd had for the white belt. God, I wish we'd had Himika versus Utami uh, for the red belt. Just just that exchange, because they were proper hitting each other with these lariats. And you could see the mental exhaustion, like the fitness that they must both have to repeatedly get up, hit the other one with a lariat, then take a lariat, get up, hit a lariat. Fire up, sell, yeah. Fire up, sell, make it make sense. Yeah, that was... It was very all Japan Kings Road versus New Japan Strong style, and that's something you can't. You can run all day you want, Rob, on the treadmill, stuff like that. Taking a bump, getting back up, and then throwing a lariat, and then selling and doing your facials. That takes a lot out of you. Yeah, you're absolutely right there, my man. Um, I I just loved it. I thought it was such a great spot. Um, I loved the renewed fire between Natsupoy and Saya. Those two really, really following on from their match at Cinderella Journey. I completely agree with you. I think Natsupoi's stock is rising and rising and rising every time she steps into the ring. I think she's absolutely fantastic. Um, I also love the closing exchange between Lady C and Micah. I mean, Micah's Uranagi and Lady C's Chokesam both looked so impactful here because both women just both women, sorry, just put everything into selling it. Um, a snug Michinoku driver too onto Lady C from Micah wins it. We both predicted the Lady C. Well, it wasn't exactly a difficult prediction, was it, Blesser? But Lady C was obviously taking the pin here. Um, and then Cosmic Angels come out at the end um, to talk about defense records. And I do like the fact that the artists of Stardom Belts are somewhat relevant again, um, rather than just being immediately put onto the new faction with it without a moment's thought. I do love the fact that we're actually focusing on storytelling and focusing on title defense records there's a legitimate reason that cosmic angels want to challenge for this belt and the fact that mina's quest for redemption for being the one who got pinned to lose the belts in the first place i really really like this and i really like it being cosmic angels coming out saying right we hold the record for title defenses you want to tie our record you have to go through us now i have two questions for you matt okay first i know you are a massive tam fan but put that aside for a second. Okay, hold on. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Do Cosmic Angels retake those belts? No, here's my far-out prediction. Uh, they, the record gets tied. Uh, my Himapoi wins. At World Climax, Stars loses all the title matches, meaning Mayu loses the match with Shiri, and FWC loses the Goddess belts, and then... Mayu and FWC challenge my Himapoi for the artists and they win the belts, meaning that my Himapoi and Cosmic Angels will be tied for the number one spot. That is my far out prediction. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. My next question. And again, put your bias for Tam aside. Hold on. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Whose reign has been better? DDMs? Or the Cosmic Angels? Oh, I think DDM. Cosmic Angels haven't destroyed on the dance. No, no, there's nobody that can that can <laughs> deter me the other way. But I think DDM's reign's been better. I, yeah, I think so. How about you? I think Cosmic Angels. Really? I do. I might, have to, I might have to go back. I might have to do some homework and go back now, sir. Because obviously Tam is, you know, 
it's it's Tam for for crying out loud. But that's, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I might have to go back and watch some of these uh, Cosmic Angels Artists of Stardom Tag Belt Championship matches now. Now let me quantify what I'm saying. In ring, I mean, you look at just the Osaka Super Wars pay per view from last year. Just on that alone, DDM in ring, potentially this reign is better than Cosmic Angels. However, if you look at what the titles meant on Cosmic Angels, Cosmic Angels literally would have died rather than losing those titles. And for me, that is when the artist of stardom titles have meant the most, when they were on Cosmic Angels. There's no cracks like how they were in Miami Boy a few months ago. Yeah, you got a point. Not only that, but Tam at that time was double champion as well. As was Unagi for a part of it. That's right, yep. So, you know, obviously... (laughs) I've just said the titles are relevant again, that we don't just put them on the hottest faction. But of course, Cosmic Angels did just that. But that's beside the point. I thought Cosmic Angels did tremendous work with the artists of Sardin Belts. Yes, you know, they also had some fantastic matches. They also had a lot of three and three quarter, four star matches, main event in Corican Hall shows, just like this one. Um, but I think in ring, you know, we've had the ladder match between Stars and DDM, which was tremendous. We had the first, I think it was DDM versus Marvelous, I think. Uh, Saka Super Wars, which was sort of the prelim match, thought so that was great as well. But in terms of relevance, in terms of meaning, in terms of storytelling, I did like the belts on Cosmic Angels, but that's just my own personal opinion. Um, and that brings us to the end of that show. Obviously, World Climax is coming. World Climax is here in, as Matt said, eight days as we record is next weekend. So we are going to have a full preview for you next week. But we are going to be looking at the two shows. Now, I'm just going to run through those cards again in a moment from Hamamatsu and Nagoya. But World Climax preview will indeed be our main focus. And we'll go through, we'll dissect the cards, we'll talk conspiracy theories, fancy booking, all the kind of good stuff that we do repeatedly on the Stardom cast. We'll be doing that there as well. So make sure you tune in next week. It's also going to be released to everyone, patrons and to the free feed as well on the Friday, which is the 25th, just because obviously we usually release stuff on the Sunday. There's absolutely no point as releasing a preview after the pay-per-view. So what a heel move that would be by you. Here's your preview <laughs> of the show that just happened. Enjoy. Don't forget to vote for the Cinderella tournament. <laughs> so it will be released to everyone on the Friday. So please keep your eyes out for that. Just so you've got a good couple of hours to check out our hilariously poor predictions before um, the show actually starts. Um, It has been told that it is going to be on Japanese and English commentary. Stuart Fulton returning to do English comms. Um, They are going to put up links on the Stardom, uh, We Are Stardom Twitter page of how to buy the pay-per-view. It is going to be two separate pay-per-view events. It's not going to be one package buys both nights. You do have to pay for each night separately in terms of the sort of roads to world climax we've got two final shows before the 26th um we've got one on the 20th of march and that is from the act city hamamatsu exhibition and event hall in shizuoka that card is as follows i know we already talked about these last uh, podcast episode but i just want to fire through them again 
Um, Saeeda versus Waka Sukiyama. We've also got uh, Saki Kashima and Rina taking on Tekla and Mei Sakurai. Six-woman tag match, Himika, Natsupoi, and Mirai taking on Starlight Kid, Momo Watanabe, and Ruaka. A ten-woman tag, Queen's Quest versus Stars. So we've got the Stars team of Hazuki, Kagama, Hanan, Mayu, and Momo Kogo versus Queen's Quest. There's no point in going through them. It is just all of Queen's Quest. Um, and then our final main event of that show is the original DDM, Julia, Micah, Suri, taking on the original Cosmic Angels, Tam, Mina, and Yunagi. I'm very excited to see that. Um, we then move on to the 21st, which is the final card before World Climax. We open up with Mirai versus Miyu Amasaki. Um, we've then got a tag. Is it a four-way or is it a tag match? It's a tag match, sorry. Um, I've, re- I've written it and I've just written the names. Um, Hazuki and Momokogo versus Hanan and Koguma. We've then got an eight-woman tag, the DDM team of Natsupoi, Himika, Micah, and Mei Sakurai taking on the Cosmic Angels team of Tam, Mina, uh, Yunagi, and Waka Tsukiyama. We have got um, an eight-woman tag between Queen's Quest, Yutami, Saya, Azumi, and Lady C taking on Oedetai, Starlight Kid, Momo Watanabe, Saki Kashima, and Rina. And then our final two matches. We have got what is being called the Alicaba Memorial. So we have got Alto, Lavello, Kabalawan, Julia, and Suri riding one last time against Mayu Iwatani and Saya Ida. And then in the main event, we have got the SWA World Championship match between the champion Tekla and the challenger Ruaka. Um, obviously, the title match, Matt, but that semi main. ALK versus Mayu and Saeeda, that is going to be one hell of a match. So, yeah, you're absolutely correct. So what you're telling me from reading that card is the last match we're going to see before we go into these two stack shows next week is the SW title match between Tekla and Ruaka, correct? Yes, that is correct. I can see where you're going that, with this. That's a lot of pressure on the, on the two of them for them to deliver. Not only that, I mean, those two cards are stacked. Like, the uh, the Queen's Quest for Stars, the five-on-five, five, and then you have, you know, Siri and Julia teaming up in both tag and in six-person tag uh, as well. And then I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, Miyu versus Mirai. That should be uh, fantastic as well. But the last thing that people are going to see after these two matches is is Tekla and Ruaka. So it's like, again, kudos to Stardom but by doing something different, by saying, here you go, it's a title match. It's the only title match of the two shows. So it's going to go on last because we value our titles, you know, sink or swim. So uh, that's very, very interesting to me. I do not envy Tekla and Ruaka following ALK versus Mayu and Saya. That is a bloody match to follow, that one. Yeah, good luck. Again, hey, it just shows you how well they value their belts. I don't think anybody would bat an eye if they switched if they put that match on last, especially since that's the fact that the two of them are going to team up for a long time or maybe ever. Hey, we'll put that on last. It just shows you how well they they value their belts. Absolutely. Um, right. Well, thank you so much for listening, guys. Just a couple of things I want to plug before we leave you alone for this weekend. Um, don't forget, it is insane April next week. Our Patreon bonus episodes 
um, are all going to have a Kyrie twist with Kyrie making her return at World Climax. Currently in the lead are the Kyrie Hojo Wybell Retrospective and Thunder Rock versus Kyrie Hojo Mako Satamora as our bonus episodes. If you want to go and vote on those, you can be on any level of our Patreon and you can go and vote on them. Any episodes, of course, you can listen to as part of our White Belt and Red Belt tier. They are uploaded every other Wednesday. Um, talking about our patrons, we cannot thank you enough. Joseph Usher, Rob Jones, Niagara Driver, John Owen, Valkich Bracker, Tom, Ed BC, Brandon Neal, who I hope, if you're there already, I hope you're having a great time in Japan, my friend. Steve Clark, Emerson Stone, Alex Tremaine, Mike, Spike SP, Jeff Baker, Doden Solar, Steve Kaklamanos, Colin Mathy, Eric Sandoval, Ben Grimshaw, Devante Walker, Glenn Lake 8, and our newest patron, Darren Chatton, who I appreciate massively, even though he's a Sunderland fan and I'm a Newcastle fan. I'm not going to let that colour my opinion of you, Darren. Thank you so much for subscribing. Um, Just for context, Matt, that's like New York Giants and New York Jets. I kind of figured it out, but I will say this, sir. Since wrestling is my favourite sport, he enjoys stardom and wrestling, so that's a Trump all. At least on this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, talking about our bonus episodes, you can go and check out our latest bonus episode, which was a match review of Nene Takahashi and Mako Satomura from Stardom the Highest 2012, which was lots of fun to talk about, wasn't it, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. Two hard-hitting uh, females at a very underrated match in Stardom's history. And by all means, go and check out that match and uh, go listen to our review and tell us what you think. Absolutely. Um, and we'll be back, like I say, the big one, um, the 30th of March, we'll be dropping on Momo Watanabe White Belt Retrospective. Um, also dropping this Saturday, Oh, sorry, next Saturday. Next Saturday is going to be the first Q&A, the first quarterly Q&A for our Red Belt patrons. Get your questions in now. We're going to try and record it this week. So get your questions in now. We'd love to hear them, whether it's about music, comics, or whatever you want to hear. Let us know. Um, in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. You can, of course, follow us anywhere you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star review and a comment. It really does help expose the podcast. We really do appreciate it. Um, talk to us on Twitter at, at the Stardomcast. Same with Facebook, YouTube, and indeed Instagram. Um, you can talk to me at, at @realrobgoodwin on Twitter. Uh, Matt, where can they find you? I'm, t- I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Just search Matt Turner OF and uh, I should pop up. And by all means, guys, ask me any questions, comments, feedback. It's all greatly appreciated. And until next time, guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys again soon.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.